Welcome to my basement, everybody, and especially to my very good friend, Ben Silverman. Sorry for yelling in your ear, buddy. It's good to see you. I've got you on a giant screen television set right here. It's like you're so close I could kiss you. Don't, and, don't kiss me. And in two days, I'll be able to. Yeah, we're going to hug and kiss, and we're going to go to E3 together. E3 starts on the weekend now, which is incredibly insane. Like, there is no <laughs> letting up on this thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the death, death knells have been ringing for a while, but uh, it's like gangbusters big already. Like, on Sunday, we've got two huge press conferences and tons of, you know, reveals and hopefully some playtime. Uh, but yeah. we've, we've already played a little bit of E3. We've already gotten a chance to get our hands on. We couldn't talk about anything until you know, pretty much to, until today. Yeah, I think some stuff comes off embargo today. I mean, yeah. just so everybody knows, I decided to wear all of my E3 badges <laughs> for this conversation. I dug them all out. I've got some uh, – here's one. Here's a good one. There's a little uh, – Best of E3 2002. Remember when they gave us pins oh, to these judges? That's awesome, yeah. Got pins. Here's one. I don't know if you remember Vanguard from 2004. That was an online connected to uh, okay. this. Um, I sure don't remember Vanguard. I don't remember Vanguard either. <laughs> it's a, a failed MMO. But I decided I'm going to wear all of these badges. This is my 20th E3. And uh, uh, we don't know what E3 is going to become next year because yeah. it feels like it's definitely becoming yeah. uh, something different. It's it's heading very hard into a fan direction, which we talked about earlier. Yeah. We think it's probably a good idea. So this might be the very last. I don't know. It might not. But it might be the very last year that we're getting this kind of judge pre-show well, treatment. Let's recap a little bit because there have been some big announcements already. And we'll get into the games that we played in a second here. But Injustice 2 we know is coming. It'll probably be... Uh, uh, you know, probably a few characters playable. We'll probably get to see Ed Boon on stage or, you know, at the WB booth talking about this game. Are you thrilled? Just really quick. Are you, like, thrilled? Yeah, that? absolutely. I really enjoyed the last Mortal Kombat game. I really enjoyed the last Injustice game. I think that it was uh, a huge success, obviously, for Warner Brothers, and it affected the TV shows and the comic books. And uh, they have a lot of content to kind of pull from. I'm sure it's going to have a lot of connection to the... Uh, to the uh, uh, current DC cinematic universe that Zack Snyder is building for us. Uh, I'm somewhat happy about that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you know, some of the, the I'm sure the TV show characters are going to be in there too, which is going to be amazing. I mean, I, I think it'd be killer to have a Stephen Amell Green Arrow fighting a uh, Grant Gustin Flash in a video game, and I think that's probably going to happen. Uh, so I'm psyched about that. Uh, but I think a pretty crazy thing hit today with uh, PlayStation 4 Neo, the, the new machine, which hasn't been named yet, won't be at E3. They're going to unveil it later. Well, yeah. So they said, and this was Andrew House, I think, said it, yeah. uh, to the Financial Times or somebody, uh, that it's not going to be at E3 and they're going to unveil it later. However, I don't know if that means they're not going to talk about it a little bit at E3. I think it wouldn't be surprising for me to have them acknowledge it and maybe say a few words about it. But yeah. yes, I don't. The, the, the actual unit's not going to be there with games running on it. And I think in a lot of ways that makes sense. It's uh, it, it would be surprising for me if they came out with like a full suite of games you could play on that and PSVR. And they're trying to push PSVR at us this year. Yeah. So I, I can tell why they'd want to pull back. Maybe they'll hold it for Gamescom or something else. But a little disappointing because we like to hear and see lots of hardware at the show. But, you know, we know it's coming at least. Yeah. Uh, what else has been leaked? I think some of the Bethesda stuff has been leaked a little bit. Prey 2 maybe coming out of hibernation, which... I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy all, all that Bethesda business. I saw some of those rumors too, but uh, I mean, look, Prey Two already had its 
its chance at a comeback. I would be shocked if they pulled that thing out. But look, they do have this big press conference, and you and I talked uh, when we were in Los Angeles with Steve Tilly about yeah. like they're having a huge press. Con- they're like renting. I built a theater or yeah. something. It's yes. like this massive thing. Yeah, Pete Hines tweeted that it's the sixth largest theater in California. And they, Why? And they made it. <laughs> Why? There's so many venues. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe they, I mean it was a, it was a gong show last year. They ran into real trouble with the lineup and the seating issues and all that stuff. Maybe they wanted to contend with that and fix all of that. But they guess, do. You're right. They have to have something big to announce, right? They've got to make it worth our while. Yeah, I mean, I think this has got to be, and we, we we talked about this before. It's got to be an Elder Scrolls game. I think they have to even have a te- teaser trailer or something. Yeah. If you're gonna have that many people in one place you can't just come out and say like dishonored 2 which they announced last year so it's not going to be it's going to be cool to see but we're not like kind of shocked by it right and i, be I don't playing that at say, yes exactly yeah. we'll yeah. play it and i don't think you can come out with and pray too. remember that game that kind of looked cool and we kind of killed and maybe is coming back like that's that's a footnote of interest but that's not what you yeah this entire show on, sure so. yeah 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 it's i mean i personally i played pray 2 in its uh, human head days and i actually had a good time playing with that game uh, but yeah, it's been a few years since that was around and, and the industry has changed a lot, but they got to be, you know, feeling full of fire right now because, uh, doom was very good. I thought, uh, the, uh, Wolfenstein game that, uh, machine games did was, was really good. And the, and the, uh, the add on content that they did for the game was pretty cool as well. Uh, you know, obviously Fallout 4 did huge for them. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, interest in Dishonored 2. And I, I, I think uh, we'll probably hear something about an evil within. But they got to be feeling they had an amazing year, you know. And one of the things that I just read in, in an interview with uh, one of the founders or one of the organizers of, at the ESA who puts on the show is that they can point to that Bethesda conference last year and say with certainty that E3 still has a really big prominence on the world stage in terms of interest and because and and what they point to is uh the the fallout um mobile game that they announced and said it's live right now and instantly became a number one smash all across the world on the on the uh app stores uh and that's kind of true right so there's still a relevance for e3 if you can point to those specific kinds of moments in time well, except I mean, the ESA gets you know is trying to take ownership of that moment, but that moment could have happened, didn't have to happen at E3. They could have thrown that press conference when they wanted and talked about sure. Fallout 4 and released that game, and it might have had the same thing. It just the ESA I think has been in the business now of of capturing those moments and feeling an ownership over when Sony announces the thing about you know we're not going to enforce. Uh, you know the backwards compatibility, or sorry, uh, always online issues that they had with Microsoft and that big great back and forth yeah. uh, price discrepancies. The ESA loves to be able to say this is why E3 is amazing, but the truth is that stuff is happening before E3. That's not actual E3. Right. E3 itself, from the beginning to the end of the convention, especially this year, feels like uh, you know a footnote. It feels like uh, uh, an epilogue on what's already going to be the story. By the beginning of the day Tuesday, yeah. we will have already known and seen and kind of felt everything wash over us. And then it's just a matter of like going and looking at things. It's, it's the news and, and most of that will be behind closed doors, won't it? it will, a big chunk of what we're going to be most excited for will be shown in video form on the floor and we'll be playing it and not everyone will have access to it, which is unfortunate, uh, behind closed doors, which is kind of crazy and that's been a big transformation for e3 um 
but I don't know if Bethesda would have had the entirety of the audience that it did have because we were all in town for E3 if they decided to put their own event on, you know? Well, there was a special year, too, because yeah. we had all been waiting for Fallout, and we were anticipating Fallout. And if they had not announced Fallout or Fallout Shelter at that conference and they brought out Evil Within 2 or something, yeah. it wouldn't have been the moment it was. it was. It was them bringing out Fallout and bringing out Todd to spend 15 minutes or half an hour, however long it was, talking to us and walking us through the game. That was kind of an unprecedented display of one game getting like this huge treatment on stage. Even at Sony and Microsoft press conferences, you get like a tidbit. You get a couple minutes and then they're off to another game. Yeah. This was really like we got to sit with what was going to be the biggest game or one of the biggest games of the year for a while at a press show. Yeah. That doesn't happen often. So I, I don't know what they're going to do to top that. And What I think is interesting about Bethesda doing this is that unlike the other companies who do this, Activision or Ubisoft, uh, who are in love with sequels and they are in the sequel business. I mean, every year Ubisoft, not, luckily not this year, but every year Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed, we're going to get a Far Cry, we're going to get to this, Activision, Call of Duty every single year, and then you know, Skylanders. We know what to expect, uh, Destiny now. Bethesda hasn't been playing that game. So if you're going to start to have these huge press conferences every year, if you're going to come out and start to try to be in that business, yeah, you're going to have to start, I hate to say it, either milking your franchises or you're going to have to really you know, invest and shock people with how many new developers you're bringing on for new IP or, or to, to, to bring back IP. That's what makes this year so interesting to me is I don't really know other than you know, we talked about a Wolfenstein game. We talked about uh, Prey 2 or something random like that. But yeah. you know, those really huge games of theirs that make a Bethesda press conference extremely sexy, and that's really Fallout and Elder Scrolls. They got to bring Elder Scrolls for me to really get super hyped about this. Because otherwise, they could have just had a booth at the show and it would have been cool. Well, and we don't want Bethesda to iterate at the sort of speed that we've seen out of Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty either. And right. that's the challenge. Right. Like, we would be concerned, I think, if Elder Scrolls was coming out this year, right? That would be kind of a red flag, like, oh my God, that's too too soon. It, yeah, I mean, it can't. It's not even about that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I and I, I that was shocking that they showed fallout 4 and then released it you know six yes. months later yeah i, I think and fans, some would argue like blake that perhaps they shouldn't have stuck to their <laughs> release date i think a lot of people would have <laughs> yes. argued it's a little more time to polish yeah. that but yeah maybe that's a lesson maybe what they say is here's like a, a teaser trailer for the next Elder scrolls game right a couple quick words about it and even though we don't get the big gameplay kind of drop we know that something's coming we can get excited for right. holiday 2017 or whatever e3 for me is not just about and, and it's kind of shifted to games that we're going to see you know within the next six months or year but and i might be in the minority here i don't mind when e3 comes out and says here's something that's coming in two years here's no, something no, no, that's no. yeah we, we need to I have like, that that hope right we need to have yeah. that kind of that uh that just that grandiose idea in the distance that's that's kind of pulling us pulling us forward like a north star you know and yeah. i think no man's sky was that right i mean for so long we had no idea when the hell we'd be able to play that game uh and i think we need more of that stuff we still don't really yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's hope everyone survives as they finish that thing yeah. uh the other the other leak that i can think of and blake you can shout out any other ideas that uh or any other uh news items that i might be forgetting but the other big one is uh the lego dimensions it's like warner brothers is saying he you know here's a big chunk of what we've got for you and we know mordor 2 
it will probably be the other big sort of thing that we can kind of count on out of Warner Brothers. But Lego Dimensions now has E.T. and Mission Impossible. And what did you think about all of that stuff besides the dollar bills going all over the place? Yeah, that's all it was for yeah. me. I mean, look, there, there's this still to me is a kind of confusing property because like, OK, the Goonies, like that speaks right to me. Right. That's yeah. I, we all grew up. The, the people of a certain age grew up with that. But sure. like, you know. My, my kids or the, the people who are younger. I mean, it's, they're trying to appeal to these two very different groups, which is like the, you know, kind of arrested development weirdos like us. Yeah. And then there's like the kids who like don't care at all about the Goonies, but they want to get like, you know, I sent the Goonies to my daughter and she just laughed at the title. She's that sounds so funny, but she has no point of reference there. It, it, it yeah. is weird. It is like they're yeah. trying to get uh, two disparate audiences but i think where they're finding success with lego dimensions is just like it is at our house where it's a parent playing with a kid and sort of introducing them to these properties and that's why are I they think are it, they finding success though like do we know i how? don't know i don't know yeah i i will tell you that when you read the press release and you read it is one of the most confusing press releases i've ever received when it lists out all of the packs and the characters and and you know how everything will interplay and how it's going to go up until summer 2017 it's an incredible amount of information to try to relay to somebody you know and yeah. then yeah. we have to kind of digest it and put that back out there apart from the idea that characters are going to be in the game i think one of the good things that they've done is they've simplified it so you don't have to buy any new base hardware or like the full game again or anything like that you can just keep on going with what you already have but yeah, although I, I do think it's weird that in the same show they're going to be, you know, blasting out all this information. And they're going to have all these new toys for Lego Dimensions. And then at the same time, they're going to say, and here is Lego The Force Awakens, yeah. which is not a toy. It's just a regular Lego. Like, it's they're just kind of spreading all this. I, it, I don't love this as a direction. I kind of feel like you either keep making those Lego games like that or if you're going to do The Force Awakens, work that thing into this. Like, yeah. why is that its own game? And it's it's just a confusing – they're just throwing Lego – and just hoping we just keep catching it. And well, I, I personally am a little kind of done with it. They that. are like, kind of seeding the, the, the sort of groundwork for there to be a Lego game platform, you know, that's it doesn't need to be connected to a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox, that they could actually sell in a, uh, in a Lego store and hooks up to a, uh, you know, an Internet-connected television or something like that. You know, they're sort of laying the groundwork that way. That's not what this is yet, but yeah, it is it un unbelievably confusing. And if you also factor in Lego Worlds, which is that Minecraft uh, sort of concept that they've got coming up for, and I've tooled around with the uh, the early uh, the early access version of the game, mm -hmm. it could be very cool. I mean, it's probably a year out, but it's another thing that's just going to be. But insane. none of these things connect, right? None yeah. of these things are yeah. connected. There's just these separate <laughs> Lego worlds. Like I play Dimensions, you play that one. This, yeah. It's and then there's actual Legos. Yeah, like it's just too far. <laughs> it's like we're virtually walking on Lego pieces in the Lego games. Yeah, with all of these assortments. Exactly. Just okay. Picking them off the feet. Any other big leaks or reveals that we should talk about? Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. Has it been leaked? Okay, well, Wait, that's a rumor of a leak? Blake. <laughs> it's a rumor Blake! of a leak that Red Dead Redemption 2 will be at E3. Maybe it'll be on the... Uh, maybe that's an Xbox lock-in, you know? They're, they're going into this, I'm sure, Xbox is. Okay, now that they know the PlayStation won't have their 4K thing, I think Xbox will have its 4K thing, and I think they're going to they're gonna come in with uh, uh, some big you know, monetary exclusive deal that they've put together.
because they're feeling bullish, at least in their early press releases and stuff like that. The this sort of the squabble or this the uh, the squawking that's happening right now about the Xbox conference, they're they're going to have a big one for us. You know what I what I would like to quickly talk about. This is going to segue us because we need to get segued into talking about the games that we've seen. Yes, but. but so just to kind of catch everybody up with, with where we're going to go with this, uh, you know, each year we go to this big pre-E3 uh, event down in L.A., which used to be a lot bigger. Now it's gotten a lot smaller. And part of the reason it's gotten smaller is companies are concerned about leaks and they want to hold things back for the show. Right. Ironically enough. More leaks uh, than ever before. Watch Dogs 2. Yeah. Not at pre-E3, even though Ubisoft used to be there prominently. In right. the past, we've seen some of their very big games very early. Yeah. Uh, Destiny. The new one? Yeah. Nope. Activision wasn't there this year. Destiny's not going to be at E3 either. They're not going to have, have playable there. I think they're just going to tell people about it. Uh, but there, there is no playable, from what I understand. Maybe that'll change when we get there. But from what I understand, we won't be able to play the new one. I, I just this thing is now happening where 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 like the leaks are happening beforehand and <laughs> even in the in some cases companies are just going like you know what here's our E3 trailer and it's like Wednesday and you're yeah. Like, you have like a week before you need to do this. Well, an injustice, I think, was because it got leaked and it that, spread everywhere. Well. And they had to say it the next day. I think. I don't know. It just feels like, yes, it's two weeks of, uh, of announcements. And everybody's trying to sort of crack through the noise. And it's going to get really noisy on yeah. Sunday, starting yeah. Sunday. You know. And I, Do you think EA is going to have something that's going to shock us? It's going to surprise the hell out of us? I think they did last year with... Uh, uh, Unravel, I think that was like, what? That's an EA game? And I think um, the fact that there was a sequel to Plants vs. Zombies was a pretty big deal. But do you think, uh, are they going to surprise I, us this year? I don't, I don't know. I mean, they seem to be playing it relatively safe for everything that I've seen. So maybe they'll have something in the press conference that's kind of like a quirky thing that we don't know much about. But, you know, Battlefield. We're going to see st something of the Amy one or the Jade Star Wars game, I think. Or maybe I think we might see a trailer. Yeah. I think a trailer will be the most we'll see of that. In terms of playable, I mean, hopefully uh, Mass Effect, right. um, uh, Battlefield, they're, they're going to you know kind of barf out all their sports games at us. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that company is trying to pull back and mm -hmm. not show 100,000 things anymore. We're not getting a Need for Speed this yeah. year. Like yeah. they're, they feel like they're, they're like, we went too big. And they also want all of their platforms, sorry, all of their games to become living platforms with DLC and this yes. and that. Yes. They kind of don't want to spam us with 1,000 games. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw one or two. I think the Star Wars one, I think you're astute that that could totally be it mm -hmm. um, to capitalize on everyone being interested in Star Wars. Um, probably some Battlefield, or sorry, Battlefront new maps and things and whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we're going to necessarily see like, uh, you know, road rash come back or well, something you know, like they gotta, awesome They got to do something too, because they're not at E3. There's no booth. There's not going to be this extended conversation uh, about EA unless it's coming from the fans that are going to their EA play event. So they have got to give them something to stay excited about, you know, cause they're kind of in yeah. competition with E3 in, in a lot of ways this year. And that's going to be a very interesting one. That's the first on deck, too, that we get all of that information uh, sort of Sunday at 1 o'clock. Uh, yeah. So stay tuned for that. And um, who knows what we're going to get out of the Xbox and PlayStation press conferences. We're, we're getting so close to, uh, to, to launch info on all of that stuff, which is going to be interesting. But let's talk about the, the games that we play. Let's start with a, a quirky one. Um, let's start with Abzu. This is a uh, kind of a, a wet spiritual successor to journey <laughs> okay yeah that was 
I would not have phrased it like that, Victor Lucas, <laughs> but that's why you are. Kind of, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's an underwater adventure game. Yes. I think that the journey, the journey thing to me feels like it's throwing people off a little bit because I think it, it feels like a journey in the sense that, you know, you don't do a ton. Mm-hmm. And it's got that same sort of visual treatment with like pointed kind of limbs and kind of these narrow, this kind of vague black face with kind of little eyes. Like it's the, the character feels minimalist. Yes, minimalist and kind of similar in the middle of a very incredible, cool looking environment. Sounds so like Journey that's wet to me. So that sounds like Journey. But okay. the thing that doesn't sound like Journey and the thing that I think a lot of people are, might get lost with is the thing that made Journey Journey wasn't just the look and kind of no. feel of Journey. It was the cooperative thing that happened. Yes. That was where Journey was like. I realized over the course of this, you know, two hours of playing this game or hour and a half, however long it took, I, I had these moments with people. And that's what really got the hooks in. It wasn't totally. just floating around. And this game is a lot more literally now floating around. You're, you're swimming through these beautiful environments. Since the first time I saw the game, uh, what they showed us at pre E3 and what they'll show at E3 is like a much bigger emphasis on fish. Yeah. There's fucking fish. Every- <laughs> this is the fish game. There's like every kind of fish. You can like highlight a fish and it's like, that's a grouper. That's a tuna. That's a speckled, whatever. You the can fuck. ride and- on sharks. You can grab their fins and, and right. ride behind them. You can grab on uh, turtles and things like that. You get in trouble for that in real life. Don't ever do no, that. No, 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 no. If you see a turtle, in the ocean, kids, don't Ask you touch first. the turtle. Yeah, it'll yeah. first of all, it'll yes. kill you. It might shit on you, and you'll probably be arrested. <laughs> so. uh, I had an incredibly zen, zen experience playing this game, though. I, I loved just leaning back and chilling out. I love the music as well as like an orchestral, lush soundtrack. Is that is that an Austin Winery thing? It might I be think so. Movie. Yeah, the music's great, and uh, the controls were ter- terrific as well. You know, for free flow. You know, kicking through with your flippers and and going into all of these different areas and stuff like that. I thought it was really amazing, and it kind of reminded me, uh, as much as it sort of, you know, makes me reminisce about Journey. It also bounced in a little Wind Waker kind of vibe too. I felt just at peace, you know, when I was playing the game. I really kind of dug that I was exploring these sunken tombs and and unlocking doors and and lighting up these little uh, robotic satellite sort of characters that were following me around. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, a little bit of Echo the Dolphin in there too, especially when you kind of shoot yourself out of the water and you can do some flips. And then there are sharks, and like in Echo the Dolphin, which is one of my favorite all-time games, particularly the first, the original Genesis one. I didn't know that. Really? Oh, yeah, man, that first Echo game. Oh, yeah. It was very cool. It was very cool. Absolutely. I just remember being captivated when I bought my Sega Genesis back whenever, however long ago that was, and looking at the back of the Sega Genesis uh, box when you used to buy platforms, and they would have all these little pictures of upcoming games. And I just remember staring at this Dolphin game. Like, the last time I played a Dolphin game, I think, was Dolphin on the Atari, which was, like, awful. It was, like, a terrible side-scrolling underwater game. Right. Right. Uh, So I was, like, finally a real Dolphin game, and Echo kind of was for me at least at the time incredibly important and amazing for me as a gamer and this reminded me of some of that in terms of uh the 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 kind of horror you get when you see a shark and you're a dolphin and you're swimming around and in this case you're not a dolphin you're just like a a lady or a guy or a just a human yeah 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 yeah. um so yeah yes humanoid um yeah i i i agree with you very zen very calming at the same time a little uh anxiety because you are underwater and anything can happen very beautiful uh intriguing yeah. yeah, totally. I, I was very pleasantly surprised. You know, I thought I had seen everything that because they showed it to us last year and we played a little bit of it last year, too. 
and I thought I had seen everything, but no, they they made it a much more beautiful, lush experience, and I'm I'm psyched to play this. And it comes out this summer, so we don't have a, a long wait for that one. Yep. Another game that it, it kind of echoes a little bit of that minimalism, which was also a big surprise, was uh, Necropolis, which uh, Bandai Namco showed us. And uh, what's the name of the company that made this? Do you remember? Uh, this is Hairbrain Schemes. Ah, uh, yes, and it's run by Jordan. Yep, Jordan Weissman and, and Mitch Gittleman. And Mitch Gittleman, and we saw and Jordan there, right? We saw Mitch. Oh, we saw Mitch. Yes, okay, you were cool. so close to nailing this. I know. Sorry, I, I forget all the names, man. Um, so, yeah, just as a quick background, Hairbrain Schemes, uh, Jordan Weissman and Mitch Gittleman used to work together at Fossa Studios. That mm -hmm. was Jordan Weissman's company. And they made uh, two of my favorite games ever, which is the uh, original Shadowrun that appeared on the SNES and the Genesis. They made all the other Shadowrun games as well, except for that terrible shooter on the 360. Uh, and then more importantly, probably for everybody, they made Crimson Skies. I think uh, they did do the Shadowrun 360 game. Did they? Yeah, the uh, the one that was multiplayer only, the one that yeah. would be huge now. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Not so the, good at the time. The, yeah, the one that uh, you know everybody's kind of borrowing pieces of of the concept of now. Yeah. You know. Yes. Ahead of their time. They really are a company ahead of their time. Yeah. I mean, they made, they, they're best known for all the Mech Warrior games, Mech Commander. Uh, so this is a company. Mech that, Assault as well on the original Xbox and Crimson Skies on the original Xbox. Good stuff. Make very really good cool stuff. games. Yeah. These guys know how to make games. And more more importantly, these guys aren't caged in. They yeah. don't just say we make platformers or we make, you know, action games or sports games. They've made all kinds of games. So back to Necropolis, this is you know, it looked like of... shit, man. I, when I saw it, when they put it up on screen, I'm like, what the fuck are we looking at? And Nam Bandai Namco has called us all to this thing to take a look at this game, which looks like a PlayStation 2 game. It was supposed to be Tekken 7. We're all like, we're yeah. going to see Tekken 7. Right. And we walk in and it's like, nah, it's sort of like, it kind of looks like, uh, uh, what was that, like medieval or something? Yeah. Station like these kind of shitty looking characters. But I, I mean, and I really like this game. In Me part too. Because I, in part, I liked it because I fucking am awesome at it. Yeah. It was awesome. You were the game. best in the in the whole group. I was. I know. You're a Dark Souls and a. You're a Dark Souls fanatic, and it, it borrows a lot from that. It's got a little bit of Dark Souls. You, you're in these kind of tombs, and you've got to fight enemies. And like Dark Souls, you got to be very careful because everyone's stronger than you, and you yep. kind of very slowly get stronger. But more so than Dark Souls, to me, it reminds me of Rogue Legacy because it's a roguelike game yep. where as you play, you kind of uh, accomplish certain achievements, and you get some currency that you can spend to make your character better for the next time you go into the dungeon because you're going to die again. The, and it, it is incredibly minimalist as well, and it feels yeah. like a lot of art has been stripped out of it. But there's a beauty to it as well, which you kind of you kind of peel back. And one of the things that I think they've got in terms of freedom, with uh, I think less texture detail to kind of focus on, is the variety in the enemies. And you, you're basically sinking deeper and deeper into this dungeon and leveling up and buy, you know finding cool things and buying cool things. But you see a lot of variety, and I thought that was. I mean, even in our limited play session, we saw a lot of stuff, and it was really cool. Yeah, it is, and and it's all procedurally generated. So every time you hop in, again, like Rogue Legacy, you're going to get a different level yep. than did the other time. It's got a really good sense of humor, and these guys have a great sense of humor, yes. which is is a uh, is a loose cannon. And uh, this game ha is very funny. It's very tongue in cheek. I, I think it's surprisingly cool. I mean, it it needs some work in terms of its polish. There was some rough edges yep. for sure. Yeah. Um, 
but that's expected at E3 and pre-E3. So it's definitely one for people who like roguelikes, people who are into Dark Souls, that kind of experience. It's one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, yeah, and I think it's going to be one of these uh, dark horse success stories of 2016. And it's out on, it's coming to the consoles, and it's out on, going to be on Steam as well. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I won't get tons and tons of exposure. I think I don't think it's going to, you know, bubble up on all kinds of mainstream media outlets. But Necropolis, if you're a gamer, if you're into that kind of stuff, you're going to dig that game. I think quite a bit. I can't wait to get the final on that. Uh, let's talk about uh, the antithesis to a minimalist type of uh, role-playing experience uh, like Necropolis, and talk about Final Fantasy 15. Uh, what did you think of uh, your playtime with Final Fantasy 15, my friend? What game was this now? Yeah, this was the was uh, this was the game that had everything in the game. Every, oh, the, ever, the everything. E yeah, everything you can think of for a video game, they put that into Final Fantasy 15. Actually, there is a game called Everything. There right? is, I know. Now it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this was. I did not play that the demo that okay. came. Out, everyone played. So this was for me the very first experience I had with Final Fantasy 15, and um, you know. I think like a lot of people, you're either in it as uh, in Final Fantasy or, or you're not. Yeah. And and I there I've come and gone, right? Seven I loved. I played the online game a little bit. Um, a nine I think I played a bunch. I played some of the early, uh, you know, the older ones. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I haven't sort of been into it for several years now. Or twelve was great. Yeah. And so it's twelve, back. I, right? So I didn't really play twelve. So I I always sort of feel like there's a block between Final Fantasy and myself in terms of just like so much visual flair and so little to kind of get your, your, your hands wrapped around. And this game, maybe more than any other Final Fantasy to me, is so enticing because there's so many crazy images to get your hands around. Like yeah. a car and a car driving down a highway with like a monster on the side of the road. Right. Like, what's that? That's not just a regular Final Fantasy kind of otherworldly, you know, uh, hey nani nani, you know, stab at things. This is a totally different kind of beast. And it's it a out, very aggressive game, right? Like they're really very, going on after the Western RPG developers, I think in a massive way with this sucker. Yeah. And it's a bit of a, you know, it's kind of a road trip game and it's kind of a fifties Greece gang yeah. game. It's, it's got a lot. And there are giant robots and there's real time combat and you can, uh, you know, zip up to some, some high sort of vantage point positions with abilities that you've got and then do some incredibly cool aerial attacks. Uh, you know, there is some loading in between the stages. It's not quite open world, but it is very expansive, I found. And, you know, the, every character is kind of fully voiced, and there's a lot of unbelievable texture detail, art that just doesn't think, you'd never think would mesh together, but somehow looks kind of cool and compelling. I mean, just the fact that you've got chocobos and these sort of uh, classic fintail floating cars and, and regular vehicles. It's just a, a weird melange, melange? Melange. Melange of, uh, of art styles and game styles. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was smiling the whole time I was playing it. And I was even playing it on a compromised PC that was uh, kind of lagging a bit on me, but I was still having a good time. And uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun when it comes yeah. out. I think it's going to be yeah. crazy, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the only red flag that I had in my experience was controls. Yeah. Uh, and especially when you're talking about an open world game where you, know, you have to cover a lot of ground, at least in the demo that we were playing, you did a lot of just running yes. in nowhere slowly. Well, and you get into, uh, you can avoid the fights to a degree, but the monsters and stuff will come after you as well. And they're, they're still kind of popping in a little bit too. Yeah, uh, it, which kind of throws back to some classic Final Fantasy turn-based type combat. 
uh, where you know where some of it was unavoidable. But they'll basically they'll hunt you down, and you'll see them kind of pop in into frame and stuff. And but also, like the car driving didn't feel like you were really really driving a car. It controlled kind of like it was like barely moving and it felt like you could just kind of hold a button and it would auto drive but it just didn't it it sort of is lacking and maybe this is something they're working on but it sort of lacks that just the smoothness you get out of western open world games that companies have been working years and years perfecting how to move through an open world game i mean when you're on the back of a horse in red dead redemption you know running around or whatever it, it never feels like you're having a hard time doing it and in this game it felt like there was a little bit of a a conflict between the controls you need to really get through an open world game and what Final Fantasy has traditionally done, which is kind of caged in yeah. itself in these smaller segments. So I, I, I need to see how that plays out. And you, you're not going to know that until you get the final disc. But yeah, uh, and you're right. Work- compelling is the word. Compelling yeah. is the word. And they're working their asses off. You can tell that this is kind of a make or break it must have cost this company so much money to get this together. And obviously all of the, uh, you know, extra deals around it, the, the movie pieces and the, the animation pieces and the car deal, everything else that they've got that's coming out along with this thing. It's a tremendous undertaking, but I think it is still one of the most exciting games that's coming up. And my fingers are crossed that it doesn't disappoint. I, I had a good time with the demo. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about um, the uh, independent evening, which I think was one of the highlights of uh, our pre-E3. A lot of these games won't get a lot of press or buzz, I think, at uh, at E3. But there's two in particular I want to talk about. One of them is uh, Headlander, which uh, is coming from Double Fine. And we actually visited, Blake and I visited the uh, the studio and talked to uh, the director. I forget his name. I'm, I'm... Lee per- is that Lee Perry's game? Yes. And uh, very good. That's good stuff. Uh, and we talked about um, the concept, and uh, it's uh, it's a crazy experience. What did you think playing it? Yeah, I really like this game. I mean, you can't not like it just based on its its style. It is it is Logan's Run yeah. '70s science fiction. Yeah. And for again, that's like for people of a certain age. That's my wheelhouse. Yeah. Like you don't you don't have to sell me very hard on something like that. I'm like, <laughs> look at all these beiges and oranges and this kind of these ridiculous There's... futurism for the past spacesuits on everybody. It just looks so ridiculous. And it turns out it's even more ridiculous with its gameplay because basically you play ahead. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're ahead, and you like attach onto bodies, and different bodies can perform different abilities. And if you need to get through a certain door, you might need to like detach from one body and like find another body and suck yourself onto that, and then shoot some stuff. And then so you're kind of like literally the name of the game, Headlander. Yeah. You are landing your head on bodies in order to progress through this like kind of puzzle platformer action game. Yeah, they they don't want to use Metroidvania, but it's definitely got that yeah, kind of very vibe. Metroid. You're yeah. going to be looping back and gaining new abilities and stuff. But the other 70s uh, movie reference that you didn't use in your list there was Flesh Gordon because all of the uh, the spaceships look like big penises eh, with uh, with ball rocket thrusters, you know. <laughs> it's there <laughs> a couple of those. Yeah, it's it's a totally crazy game. I I love the uh, 
the logo and the kind of art style, like you could almost see it on a cartridge, this thing. And it, it looks like an old iMagic cartridge for the Atari 2600. You yeah, know, the, yeah. the way they've got it all sort of two-toned on the color and all that stuff. It looks so cool. Yeah. All I question about and uh, uh, about this game and just to play off your cock and balls uh, yes. uh, uh, mention, is it staying power? Because it right. feels like, um, you know, I played it for about 45 minutes and, and I was getting a little kind of bored of the – right basic lack of like variety in the gameplay so seeing how far they go with like the different abilities you have when you jump onto different things and again it's in a, in a metroid kind of game if you were to only play the first you know hour of metroid kind of over and over again before you got like bombs to open things up and yeah. missiles to open up doors like that's how these games develop so it's a little hard to talk too much about it critically when you've only seen a little bit especially in early game but that's my only sort of uh well, and that's the biggest challenge with any one of these Metroidvania type of um, homages or in that genre, you know, is the the amount of them at this point. You know, like there have been so many great ones. Ori and the Blind Forest is the last amazing one that I can think of. And now they're being kind of uh, shadowed a little bit by uh, the, the roguelikes out there that take from that formula, but then sort of procedurally generate variety for you every single time you jump into these games. And that is the challenge with Headlander. It's got to maintain a kind of, kind of a comedy consistency, but it's also got to give us a gameplay hook that's going to want, make us want to kind of dive further and further into the experience when we already have stacks and stacks of other fantastic, you know, side-scrolling experiences like that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got it's got its work cut out for it. But uh, I agree. This was at that indie night, one of my favorite games, mostly because of uh, of uh, of the dicks. Just was, dick ships. Yep, yep. We don't see enough dick ships in the industry. Dick ships. All right. Uh, let's talk about another indie game that was uh, at the Indie Night. And I, I know this one blew you away. This was Pyre. This is from uh, Supergiant. Yeah. Yes. And uh, they did an amazing job with Bastion. Uh, and they did an incredible job with, uh, what was the, the sword one, the singing sword one? Trans Transistor. Transistor. I love that game as well. So what did you think of Pyre? Um these guys are developing a real style mm -hmm. and you can tell the moment you look at pyre uh, you can tell this is a super giant game yeah i, I spoke to greg Casavin, who is the uh kind of lead producer guy over at super giant who used to be an editor at GameSpot for many years and he's kind of a uh, used to be a colleague of all of ours good dude um really good dude really smart dude and i was talking to him about it and that was like the first thing i said to him is you guys now have a style. This is a real definitive, both both graphically and sort of tonally. You can tell what a super giant game is, even just between Bastion and, and Transistor. And they're taking that to the next step with um, with Pyre, which carries a lot of the same sort of look and feel. It's very bright, very colorful. Uh, it's just sort of fun and cool to look at and try to figure out what is this sort of weird new world we're in. But it hides a big secret. Um, it's and a... I'll, I'll, can, we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah we can talk about it because yeah. it's like you, you're going to see it anyway. But it's it's basically a sports game. Yeah. Um, even though it looks like it looks like an RPG, it looks, it looks like, like a, a turn-based RPG. Heroes of Might and Magic. Or yes. Something. Yeah. It looks like something like that because you have yeah. these guys on either side of the screen. But it's actually played out sort of in real time where you have this ball and you kind of throw it to your guys and there's kind of rules for when you can throw the ball, when you can't. And you got to try to throw it into your enemy's portal thing, I guess. Uh, and and it takes a while to figure it out. They have a pretty long demo. It's like a 25-minute demo, and everyone sort of is watching. You know, you've got headphones on. You're playing the demo. They only had one station. Yeah. So everyone's watching it, and you're like, I have, I do not understand what this is like. <laughs> I was reading the text, and now they're doing this, and I can't put the two together. And it isn't until you sit in front of it that you go – and like the, the third time you go through like the 
I guess rugby, basketball, whatever it is, <laughs> you're like, oh my god, it's a sports, it's esports, it's esports, sort of. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's I loved it. I thought it was such a cool, weird uh, pivot away from something you're expecting and into something totally unexpected. I I can't remember. Is it a multiplayer game? Is it going to be? Are you going to be able to play with other people? And I think so. Yeah crazy sure yeah. let's say yes it's not <laughs> on the internet and this is going to be saved forever yes definitely <laughs> well I, you know i mean it's not hard to get excited by anything that those guys do you know they're a very very clever group of individuals uh with a passion and a knowledge you know that's inherent and obvious when you play the games and uh i i can't wait i think this is going to be one of those big indie success stories of, of 2016 is it definitely coming out this year i hope it is Let's go with a yes for that. All right, yes, we got two yeses. Keep, yeah, that's awesome. Sure. Are there dick ships? October, October fifth. October fifth, dick ships. Yeah, dick yes. ships as well. Okay, great. Ships, yes. That's fantastic. Okay, now let's talk about. Um, this was arguably the best game for me that I got a chance to play during our uh, our pre E three uh, kind of look at things. Uh, this was. Uh, um, Idos Montreal's Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. And I tweeted, and I don't know if I was supposed to, that this was at the top of my uh, most excited for list for 2016 after I had played Uncharted 4. I, I still can't believe I'm going into E3 just finishing Uncharted 4. That just seems unfair. And Doom as well, which is incredible. And Overwatch. But it just, it just seems so unfair to all of these games. You that, finished? You finally beat Overwatch? Did you beat I beat Overwatch it, yeah. You yeah. finally beat it? Level 100. <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, let's talk about uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided. What do you think? Oh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided. I'm a little divided over this game. Mm. I think, um, all right, so preface is that I'm an old nerd, and I really loved the first Deus Ex. Yep. Uh, that was one of, one of my favorite games ever. And what I loved about the first Deus Ex is uh, it's just sort of how open it really felt. It felt like you just weren't, your hand wasn't held at all, and it was like you've got to get into this building, and who the hell knows how it's going to work, and you had all these different kind of skills to use to get into it. And it feels like the game has, since then, evolved a little bit more into a shooty-shooty game where, as it turns out, you can crawl through a vent from time to time and do some other stuff. And that's what this still, to me, feels as. It's very much a shooter with plus plus, with like other things you can do to get around. I didn't see a lot of the like Did you tech feel that with stuff. Human Revolution? Did you feel like you had to get into combat? I mean, I don't think it was as free form. I think it certainly tried to sort of hit a middle line and and grat, you know, introduce a lot of these concepts a little with a little bit more uh, hand holding than the previous Deus Ex games had. Yeah. Um, but I, I think they did a phenomenal job of of you know finding that balance where you you could just go through and be you know, have a that compassion for the other humans in this thing and not kill everybody. And I, yeah, and I feel have, that with this, too. They have that in here as well, the sort of compassion thing where you can, like, choke guys out and not kill them and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I just meant sort of the ability to be, like, just kind of to hack your way through a game as opposed to, like, shoot and eventually have to take a lot of guys out. Right. This is still... There's still a violence implied. This is Yeah, this is definitely, a, again, a, a, sh a shooter that allows you to sort of not have to kill everybody. Right. Um, so in a sense, it's it's not sort of my favorite direction for Deus Ex. All of that being said, I think that the demo we played was super polished, yeah. super cool. There is the a, a really weird cool. break in between some of the animations, though, right? Like you go up to a character, and then it'll go to black, and then an animation will happen. And whether you've decided to yeah. kill the character or choke him out, 
yeah. it's like a uh, like a, a stutter almost before we get into the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I things like that. I try to not get too caught up on because it's the game's not out so yeah. i don't know if how much of that is like it's e3 week pre-e3 week and they're yeah. just kind of like chunking together the code and they're going to like fix that gap or if that's part of the design it's a yeah. little hard to tell um but you're right it's noticeable that's in there that was um, my only kind of quirk with it i mean i i think that uh it's taken a fidelity jump because it's on the new machines yeah, uh, it looks I, great. I loved hearing elias tufexis's voice again you know i mean the guy's a fantastic lead actor in this thing uh, he know, sounds so tough. He, I mean, we've met him. He's tough. He's pretty tough. But he's, he sounds tougher. Yes. Than he actually, he's like the, one of the toughest sounding men. <laughs> and he's just such a nice guy and a good dad, too, which is so, uh, and, you know, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't correlate with his. Could his you tough imagine guy having voice. him yelling you? Yeah, if I know. He fucks up, if his kid fucks something up and he's like, listen, why'd you. Like, I'm going to rip you, son. Rip you in half. Don't you spill your milk. Like, I <laughs> Don't you spill your milk. You clean up your fucking <laughs> like, Okay, Dad. So okay, Daddy. Yeah, no, no. I uh, I think that the uh, you know the the storyline they've obviously been obsessing with stretching out this universe so much so that they showed an actual prosthetic that you can you can actually buy or they're working towards where you're going to have uh, the ability to control the fingers and stuff like that with your mind like ripped from the design work of the video game and all of this stuff is happening clothing is coming comic books are coming uh they created they showed off a whole brand new mode which was definitely more in the shooty shooty arcade type of uh deal it's almost like the old metal gear solid uh, vr missions yeah, kind of thing a lot of that yeah. yeah but i you know i i love getting entrenched and i like the uh the uh, gold tooth creative did all of these uh full motion video pieces. Some of them got a little cheesy, but uh, in terms of the material that we saw, but just the concepts and the ideas of this uh, this actual divide between humans and augmented humans and what that's going to mean. And it feels like we are edging ever closer to that every day. You know, it feels very pertinent. It feels very much uh, topical. Um, but, I, you know, I like, I like the sort of political sort of tones and the and the, uh, the the sort of divide line stuff that we have to kind of crisscross and work against uh, and, and sort of make moral choices through within this experience. I just feel like it's a mature, uh, you know, articulate, well-crafted, beautiful video game escape. Uh, you, you know, when we can also have so many kind of Twitch-like experiences that are satisfying. This is kind of like a, a more cerebral antidote to all of that stuff. But it also yeah. has some Twitch to it as well. It'll be interesting also to see how they, uh, you know, at the end of the day when you, when, you, when you start playing the game, how all of its little fiddly mechanics and systems kind of come together so that you don't get sort of lost in that. I found in the demo I was a little bit like yeah. just remembering how to crouch, just like basic crouching because there's so many. You have all these different augmentations and controls and then you've got like different kinds of menus to do different kinds of things. Yes, yes. So there's a lot happening in this video game and, and I always struggle in in demos that we see at shows like E3 yeah. where, yeah. You, where you haven't spent time with it. It was one of the things that like for The Witcher 3, which was my favorite game last year. Yeah. Um, I didn't like it at E3. Yeah. You know, six months before the game came out, I played it for a, a little bit and they had this big long demo. And I'm like, I don't like this game. It's, because it's such a challenge trying to decide, you know, and so much of it is built on what they've done before, you know, and kind of where where you think they're going to land when, when they finally hit the bullseye with their game. And, and the experience that you have with the game mm -hmm. is from the beginning of playing a game up yeah. until whenever you are in the game. And right. we never get the first 
20 minutes of a video no. game demo because there's nothing to do. It's a cutscene. Yeah. So we get, okay, you're about three quarters of the way through the game here. And it's like, <laughs> Jesus, I haven't played the other three quarters. I don't know the controls. I don't know. like. It, so you're struggling to kind of condense the entire back system of a video game, especially in an RPG or in a game like this, which is a shooter, RPG, this right. and that. You're trying to condense all that and fit that into your head as you're evaluating the experience. I, I struggle sometimes in those moments to really know how I feel about a game mm-hmm. because there's so much to take in and none of it's second nature. And when a game becomes second nature, like Witcher 3, then you forget about the controls and the mechanics and you're just enjoying the experience. Right. And I think, I think for Deus Ex, that moment is going to be really important. If it gets in its own way, which is to say it has too many of these systems and you can't get out of fiddling with all this stuff, then it can it could get in the way of exp- enjoying the experience for me. So that to me is the big question of Deus Ex, but I agree with what you're talking about in terms of the polish, the 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 love, the depth of the story, the depth of the of the of the characters, the depth of the graphics, everything about it feels like a Yeah, really I mean it, it feels company. like they're just going I mean they're they're get, yeah, they're getting a lot of support, a lot of fiscal support I think from the parent company. They're recognizing its uh, transmedia potential. And I don't think they're going to squander this. I think that it's going to be an incredibly rich world to get lost in. And one of my favorite things about Deus Ex Human Revolution, as I, I felt about Dishonored, it was the replayability and the, uh, you know, the opportunity to go back and, and encounter uh, enemies again but play things from a completely different standpoint is very enticing. And I think it's going to be even escalated with, with this new game. Now, now, the other big game that... Uh, they uh, they showed us in the Deus Ex franchise is actually a very small game, but it's it's in line with this new Go franchise that uh, that Square Enix and uh, Idos Montreal are building. It's called uh, Deus Ex Go, and uh, it was uh, you were the first one to beat that game too when we were all playing it together. You, Steve, and I were playing it at the same time. We, yeah, we, but I barely beat it first. We were all in a race on that level. We were stumped, man. We got stuck. It's hard, yeah. man. And and you know, Laura Croft Go, which awesome. was. Right, and I think for a lot of people, better than Hitman Go. Yep. Part of the reason it was better is because it was playable. Like You could actually succeed better, whereas Hitman Go was gated in a lot of weird ways. It was very hard, and mm-hmm. it also kind of gated you by saying you got to get 100% on these levels to open up more levels. Right. It was kind of shitty design in that sense. Yeah. Laura Croftco didn't have that, and it was a, a pretty smooth learning experience. You would get stuck, but it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be stuck for long. No. I don't know if Deus Ex Go is going to be as easy as Lara Croft. I feel like it's going to exist somewhere in the middle because this is harder. I mean, I was... Well, you have more abilities and more tools. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, Lara Croft was, I think, really in that puzzle sort of board game context really benefited from the character's simplicity and and the very, you know, visible sort of pickups that she could, you know, use to take down some of the objectives and some of the obstacles in her way. But Deus Ex, you forget that you've got these abilities, and you're you're coming up to sort of blank cubes or cubes with turrets that you you, you just can't re- recall. Wait, can I hack that thing or not? And so you do run into this this uh, I don't know sort of Gallipoli esque moments where you keep running in and just getting slaughtered, and it's like, oh shit, I'm dead again. Oh my god, no, I'm dead edge, again. Ed, yeah. Edge ah! Edge of tomorrow. Yes. Edge of tomorrow. Yeah, it's 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 really hard, and and uh, and that's one of the things I I liked about it so much is I was like, oh yeah, like I we didn't move. The three of us sat there yeah. 
And look, there were a lot of games. Square Enix showed up a lot of games. We're oh, not yeah, talking about the number of games they showed because there yeah. were too many games for us to play. Yeah. And like we all sat there for 25 minutes or something like oh, leaning over a table. It was uncomfortable with this like iPad at the, like, this low table. We're just like leaning over going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to yeah. do it. Like, we, got, we were really all in it because it's, it's, that's such a smartly designed franchise. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. I for think sure. if you liked either of those other games, you're going to check this one out. And I think Deus Ex matches well in terms of its kind of aesthetic with this kind of game. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's, I think the, the reason why it, it continues to succeed is that they've really tapped into this, uh, this paranoia that we all have about being too consumed with technology. You know, And I think uh, it's a remarkable franchise. It really feels you're, you're terrified and you're compelled to continue forward in the stories that they craft for us and the, and the game sort of designs that they craft for us. And it's also incredibly malleable. And I think this Go concept is, uh, uh, you know, it's going to feel like you're hacking the game, which is going to be a lot of fun. And I also think that this is probably going to be the most successful one to transition to uh, a television screen and be like a console sit-back experience as well uh, because of its, you know, elaborate art style and all the high-techy plus, uh, you know, twitchy shootery type sort of designs and concepts that are a part of the I don't the, I mean I don't know I don't think anyone's going to play this thing on their TV <laughs> this is all about playing on your phone oh for sure tablet you know yeah yeah, but yeah, it's cool looking for sure. I mean, I, I like both of these Deus Ex games. I'm not sure I'm crazy. Like earlier when you said transmedia, that always makes me think of Angry Birds, and I don't like that. So I don't yeah. want. I don't know if they should keep going bigger and bigger. But these Especially two games. Especially after you see Warcraft, the movie. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have much money, dude. I'm not serious. <laughs> I'm not gonna spend it. Well, those are the uh, the games that we can talk about currently in our live setting in our live situation right now um we will have some more previews and more stuff that we're going to be talking about on a day-to-day basis next week uh but ben um uh before i let you go from the live thing what is the what is the what is the the hope for you from e3 what are you most hopeful for about being excited about at the show next week uh i really want to see i really want to see microsoft figure this out mm. you know they I, I i've been struggling to really enjoy the xbox one as a console i've been playing mirror's edge on it um and and i just am like still not sold on this platform um i feel like sony still has such a better grip on games i want to play the way it's delivered the experiences i want to see microsoft's got so many things going on they've got the hololens thing what's going to happen there is that just dead in the water i mean now that's... it looks like they're gonna have an, an oculus thing as well right I right mean, so yeah. there's been talk about that like there's just so many weird up in the airs with this company that one of the things i want to get out of e3 is some answers and kind of feel like i know what direction microsoft is heading i feel like as an owner of an xbox one or someone who's going to buy an xbox one i know what i'm getting into um because right now it feels like they're still in this kind of nebulous place whereas we know that nintendo is like fuck the wii u we're going to do the NX and here's Zelda, yeah. which is the game I want to play most. The show at, that I'm aware of right now is, is Zelda. Yeah. Um, and Sony, I just feel like is so confident and is so out front that they just got to like, just keep doing what they're doing. There's, so they're so it, confident. They don't even have to show their new 4k machine. They're just killing it. So yeah. like, yeah. you know, they're selling so many of these things that, that, that what I want to see again, not the game that I want to see most, but what I, what I want to walk away from the show as a, fan of gaming and as someone who wants to see companies do well is Microsoft making a really compelling case 
uh, for their platform. And that's not just Gears of War. That's yeah. got there's yeah. got to be more to it than that. So yeah. who knows? They're, they have the most to win and the most to lose at the show. Okay. No, I totally I agree with you on that sentiment. It's going to be fun, man. And uh, we will be working together uh, at at least to do a wrap up next week. But uh, we're going to have a lot more stuff on our channels. Uh, but but for right now, is there a- any big questions or anything at all, Blake? Or uh, no, no, no. Okay. All right. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two. Everybody wants that. Yes, I'm very excited about that. Uh, but Rockstar kind of bangs their own drum. I'm going to bring all twenty uh, two twenty one of my badges. This is a good one. There's a good one. This has ribbons. Woo! I think you won something. I think you won. Yeah. Yeah, your first place. This says Dwango. Hey, and your VIP, brother. Dwango. Dwango. Thanks very much for watching, everybody. Stitcher, we'll be back next week with a new Big Spaceman. Esports. Esports.